So now the words of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, Go at once to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah set out to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid his fare and went on board to go with them to Tarshish, away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled the great wind upon the sea, and such a mighty storm came upon the sea that the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid, and each cried to his God. They threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. Jonah, meanwhile, had gone down into the hold of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. The captain came and said to him, what are you, what are you doing sound asleep? Get up, call on your God. Perhaps the God will spare us, um, spare us a thought so that we do not perish. The sailor said to one, the sailor said to one another, come, let us cast lots so that we may know on whose account this calamity has come upon us. So they cast lots and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, tell us why this calamity has come upon us. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? I'm a Hebrew, he replied. I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were even more afraid and said to him, what is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord because he had told them so. Then they said to him, what shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? And then the sea, for the sea was growing more and more tempestuous. Uh, and he said to them, pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you, for I know it is because of me that this great storm has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring the ship back to land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more stormy against them. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, O Lord, we pray. Do not let us perish on account of this man's life. Do not make us guilty of innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it's pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. And then the men feared the Lord even more, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. But the Lord provided a large fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Praise the Lord, God's good. Um, the story of Jonah is one of my um, your favourite biblical stories, even from a child, but I don't think it's just relevant uh, as a children's story, maybe told in junior church or all aspects or in children's book, but it's a story that's got significant um, things to say to our lives and how we live in relationship to God and in a response to God's call upon each one of us, because all of us have a call from God. It's not just the minister or or a preacher or a leader in the church, but everyone has a call from God to serve him and to go and do what God is calling us to do. And we can choose to obey God and follow God and respond to that call, or we can choose to flee away from it. But when we flee away from God's call, we can see from Jonah there's consequences when you flee from responsibility, from challenges, and from what opportunities God has given you. And that can lead you to a place of chaos and end up in the belly of the whale. So let's introduce Jonah. Jonah was an 8th century BC prophet um, who served under the king under King Jeroboam II of Israel. And he prophesies to Jeroboam II that he should expand his boundaries. 
And um, we find that Jonah shouldn't really have been prophesying that to King Jeroboam II because God was furious with King Jeroboam II and actually was really angry because King Jeroboam II had expanded the kingdom of Israel. The land had become more prosperous and rich, uh, uh, but it's like many things, the rich had become richer and the poor had become poorer and there was injustice, um, there was oppression and poverty and the people were crying out to God to save them from the despair that had become their lives and God sought to deliver them and so um, Jonah wouldn't tell King Jeroboam the second so God sent Amos who was a prophet at the time of Jonah to go and tell King Jeroboam Jeroboam the second the fact that God was furious with them um, that God doesn't want him to expand his lands actually God wants to blot him out of the history books of the kings of Israel altogether God just wants rid of him and um, so we can see this character Jonah now. This is Jonah. He he won't really even go and tell the king Jeroboam the second of Israel what God wants to say to him. So in what way is Jonah going to go to the king of Assyria, which is a rising superpower, one of the most significant powerful kingdoms of that time, and go and tell that king that they need to repent or God will destroy them? You can see now that, that Jonah might just choose to run away. And that's the, the choice that he makes, he makes a choice to run away. The Assyrian people that um, Jonah was asked to go to, these were brutal people. They, they went in and they attacked the land, they cleared the land out. Um, they put people on spikes and put them all across the road and the land to warn people not to rebel like the Romans did with crosses. And so these, these were not a pleasant people that Jonah would probably expect to go there and, and die an unpleasant death as he tells them to repent and return to God. So Jonah, he chooses to run away. He goes to Joppa, he finds a fishing boat, he goes in the sea and he 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 sails out. And as he sails out and as he tries to escape and flee from the presence of God, uh, a storm comes upon his life. Now I don't know if that's happened to you in your life, that God's put a specific call on you. You felt God said to you to do one thing and you decided to, to go a different way from the presence of God the purpose of God, and I'm sure that didn't take you to a good place. I'm sure it didn't take you to a, a, a better place. I'm sure it took you to a place of chaos and disruption and despair. And then to a storm, just like Jonah, he ended up in a storm and waves all around him and all sorts of issues. And so Jonah's thinking, my goodness me, I've tried to escape God and, I, and I've gone aboard. I'm, I'm going to Tarshish as far as away as I can get from Assyria, but God still found me. God's there and God brings the storm. And in the midst of the storm, the sailors are doing their best to, to rescue the boat, to save the boat and, to, and are casting things over the side of the boat to, to keep it afloat. They're trying to row to get to shore. But Jonah, he goes downstairs, he goes down to the hold, he goes to sleep. And isn't that amazing? I find that incredible that Sometimes the people who cause the most trouble sleep best at night, but those who have been affected by the trouble they cause are, are rowing all night and throwing things overboard or can't sleep all night because of all the things that are going through the head caused by this trauma, um, the troubles and the issues um, that are around that. And um, we meet people that all the time in our lives who cause a lot of trouble, but they sleep fine, but we don't sleep at all. And so here's Jonah sleeping in the midst of the storm, trying to escape from God. And the sailors there thinking they're going to die. And then they decide to cast lots. 
and they cast lots and the lot falls on Jonah and they know, wow, yeah, this guy's fleeing from his God, but he's the guy who's causing us all the problems. And they ask him, what should we do that um, we should, that, that we can stop this storm? What can we do to appease your God? Where are you from? What have you done? What's happened? All these questions, trying to figure a way just to survive. And, and Jonah, he just, he's, he's, wants to escape God, he wants to escape everything, he's in the midst of that storm, he's, he's left Israel, he's, he's heading towards Tarshish, he's not doing what God's called him to do in his life, he's in the midst of a storm, he's in this place of, of despair and difficulty and challenge and, uh, and, and not a great place, he's been knocked off his perch, he's, he's a prophet of God and he's not doing what God's called him to do and here he is in the midst of the storm and the sea and all he wants to do is to escape God and, and he has some mercy upon the sailors because he is a little bit concerned about the sailors because we realise Jonah's not the best character in the world. You know, he's not the best person in the world. But he does seem to have a little bit of concern for these sailors and that they don't they don't die. But also he says to them, look, just just throw me over overboard. Just let me go into the sea. And you know, I don't I don't think Jonah was expecting a whale or, or God to save him. I think he's saying, look, in the midst of this really challenging time, in the midst of this storm just throw me overboard, just let me go into the sea, just let me go into the depths, just let me go to that place of shoal, of, of mourning, of rest, of of just to escape the trouble that's come upon me. And, you know, that that's not the best idea in life to do. You know, when you're a place of that storm and difficulties and challenges, you know, the best option is not to say, just throw me overboard. I, I don't want to live anymore. The option is to choose, how can I live? How can I strive? How can I be better through this storm? How can I improve my life? Not not to go into the depths, not to go into despair, not to think that I don't want to, to live anymore. And then so the sailors, they're thinking, Jonah, we don't want to throw you overboard. And, and they're trying to do everything not to do that. But it comes to the point they're thinking, if we want to survive this, we, we have we have to throw them overboard. And they, they pray to God and they say, God, God of Jonah, you know, if, you know, we're washing our hands of this, if this requires us to throw him overboard to stop this storm, we're, 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 we'll do it, but it's not us doing it. You're, you're requiring us to do it, so we're washing our hands of this. And then, so they, they, they pray to the God of Jonah, and they, and then they get Jonah, and they, they, they throw him over, overboard. And um, the storm stops, and the sailors are thinking, "Wow, this is amazing, and we are saved." And, and in the midst of the storm, they begin to worship the God of Jonah, they start to worship Yahweh, they, they make a sacrifice to God, they commit their life to God, they, they say, we believe and we trust and, and we recognise this God of Jonah and we worship him, and I imagine when they went back to shore and they went back to their families and their friends and people around them, they were saying, we want to tell you about this God of Israel, we want to tell you this God that we encountered in the midst of this storm, in the place where we thought well, we were going to lose our lives, that we found the God who is the creator of heaven and earth, the God who brings his life, and we want to share that God with you. So even Jonah in the midst of chaos, <laughs> and people find faith. And I, I think that's amazing for us, that we've got to think that even when we're in the midst of chaos, in the midst of storm, when there's challenges and difficulties going on, God can still work. God can still be witness to. People can still come to salvation and faith. And we might think, well, our life's going nowhere, our life's just going down into the depths, our life's going into despair, 
our lives going in hopelessness, but actually still God's doing something in there. People can still come and believe in God in the darkest places that we find ourselves in. And we've got to hold on to that hope and believe. Even when we're in dark places, God can work and people can come to salvation. So even the sailors worship God, even though Jonah, he just wants to go into the depths of the sea. And then a whale or a big fish comes and swallows Jonah and he's in the belly of this whale three days and three nights. And um, today is Aldersgate Sunday as well, as we remember when John Wesley's heart was strangely warmed. And, and John Wesley was, in some ways, a, a, it's, it's had some similarities to Jonah. And um, John Wesley, he was not a success. He, he, was a, he was a failure until he had this encounter and experience with God. He was an Anglican priest and clergyman. He's the founder of the Methodist Church, or we're part of. And um, he tried really hard to do works all his life in good actions and serve people that he might have that a relationship with God, that he might know God. But he never really knew God in the depths of his heart. He never really had that personal relationship with God. He never really had that assurance that he was loved by God, that he was saved, that he had hope. And, and so he was doing many things to try and find that connection with God, but it didn't work on his own effort and his own power. He even went to America to be a missionary to the Native Americans, and he was a complete failure. And so he had to return to England after being a complete failure as a missionary in, in the United States. And he came back to England, and he was he was broken man. He was wondering, where is my call? Where is my ministry? What does God want for me now? What does God want for me next? You know, where did I go in my life? You know, it's just not working for me. You know, that nothing is going right. And he he decided very reluctantly to go to a, a Bible study, a, a, a religious society, and in a place called Aldersgate. And um, and there uh the person leading the meeting read from the preface of Martin Luther's commentary on the book of Romans. And um, as John Wesley heard about how Martin Luther talks about the work that Jesus Christ does in our hearts to transform us and change us, that we're saved by grace alone and not our works and not our actions, there's nothing that we can do to get favour with God. We can only receive the free grace and love of God, that God might be honoured by that receiving of it and that transformation of our hearts. And as John Wesley heard about God's grace, about God's love, that he didn't have to work for that salvation, but he just had to come into relationship with God, give his heart to God. Um, he says in that evening, I went very unwillingly to a society in Aldersgate Street where one was reading Luther's preface to the Epistle to the Romans. About a quarter before nine, while he was describing the change which God works in the heart through faith in Christ, I felt my heart strangely warm. I felt I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for my salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and uh, then in the Methodist Church, we might say a liturgy or a prayer recognising what happened to John Wesley, or, or some people might say, well, 
John Wesley went with those mad Moravians people who had experiences, encounters with God and, and were really wacky and, um, and, and he had this um, spiritual experience. Isn't that good? Isn't that amazing? Now let's move on and, and, and forget about the Holy Spirit. And that's so easy to do. But on that night, in that encounter that John Wesley had with God, that experience that he had with God, with the Holy Spirit, transformed his life, transformed the lives of millions of people and transformed a nation. He was a nation changer. That encounter with God when he was filled with the Holy Spirit and experienced the love of God in his heart meant he could not be the same again. And he was transformed and changed and went from a broken um, broken priest who felt he had no purpose and no reason to live um, he went to be a world changer and I think that's incredible we're talking about an acts of apostle moment, this is a significant moment that led millions of people to make a decision for Jesus Christ and so John Wesley, he could have walked away from his destiny and his purpose that God had for him. He could have said, I've tried everything. I could have tried everything to worship God. I've tried everything to serve God, but it's not worked. But that moment, God worked in his heart. And he went and said, I'm going to serve God and go to God's will. And, you know, he didn't have an easy time. He had a difficult time. He was almost stoned at times by people to death because of the message he spoke. He was thrown out of every church in England because of the power of God that was upon his life, because the manifestations of the Holy Spirit were upon his life, because people fell down and screamed and said, how can I be saved? People collapsed on the ground. People were speaking in tongues. Um, the, the revival was not nice. It was messy. And the, the churches that time did not like revival. They did not like the movement of the Holy Spirit. So they did everything they could to shut down the Holy Spirit, to shut down John Wesley. And, and, but John Wesley pushed out into the streets and the highways. He went to the miners. He went to the woods. He went anywhere where he could speak in the power of the Holy Spirit. He went and spoke outside the pubs and he said to people, you need to know about this living God who can transform your heart and your mind at this time, that you can know that you are loved, that you can have this assurance of faith, that your sins are forgiven and you can live for God and you don't need to be ever the same again. And you just have to believe in him and trust him and give him space in your life. You have to surrender to him. And people cried out to God. People wailed and wept. People ran from miles around to say, how can I be saved? This was a powerful experience, but it was a messy experience. And if we want revival, revival is not going to be clean and liturgical and, and ordered and to what we want. Revival is going to be God's spirit moving and it's going to be powerful and incredible, but it's going to be messy. So we've got to be ready for that. And we're going to be in the middle of a storm within revival and we've got to be ready for God to bring order and new renewal and life from that moment in that time. And so we can't run away because when we run away from issues, it doesn't help us when we procrastinate, when we, we try not to deal with things. Actually, what happens is it makes the situations really worse. And that's what hope happened with Jonah. It made his situation worse. He tried to run away. He tried to not face the call in his life. He tried not to do the thing that he was called to do, and it just called for more major problems, put him in the middle of a storm into difficult. Maybe you've found that in your life, that when you've been facing a challenge in life, in work, in circumstances, you've procrastinated, you've not followed your call, you've, you've, you've put things off, you've not dealt with issues, you've not dealt with issues of surrender or forgiveness, and you've found yourself in the belly of the whale. You've found yourself in the storm. You've found yourself in a place of 
despair, in hopelessness, um, in chaos. And um, we, all, we all get to that place in our lives, don't we? John Wesley got there, Jonah was there. We're, we're in a good place and we get knocked off our perch. And then we end up in a place of chaos and, and despair and hopelessness and, and lifelessness and, and there just doesn't seem to be any way out of it. God, where do I go from here? If you get to depression and, and, and all, all these feelings, it just, just aren't good. And we've got a choice about like Joseph and Jonah and John Wesley. Do we stay in the belly of the whale? Or do we pray to God to help us to ascend and come out the other end? And, you know, sometimes we're in that belly of the whale. We're in that difficult place. We're in the storm when we're in that place, the belly. Jonah had three days and three nights and he had time to reflect. He had time to consider his life and his relationship with God. And he started thinking, well, you know, I don't think I'm doing the right thing. I, I think I need to change my life and my actions and, and, and how I live and how I do things. And so. Um, Jonah in the belly of the whale starts to sing a psalm that praises God, that lifts up God's name. It says, you know, I want to be back in that place in Israel, back in the temple where I can worship you and glorify you and honour you, honour your name. Back in that place where I'm in a relationship with you and your people, where I find hope, where I find joy. I don't want to be in this place of despair anymore. I don't want to be in this place of hopeless anymore. I want, I want to be in that place of of life-giving relationship with you and with others. I want my life to be productive. I want to go to Assyria, even though it's going to be difficult, to Nineveh. I want to go there, even though it's going to be challenging. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to do it, God, because this isn't the place that I want to live my life. And who wants to live their life in the belly of the whale? Who wants to live their life in the storm? Who wants to live their life in, in a place of hopelessness and, and where there feels no future? And so he sings that psalm, God, I can see a temple. God, you're the one who can help me to ascend. God, you're the one who can deliver me. God, you're the one who will, will bring me hope. God, you're my future. God, you're my inheritance. God, you're my purpose. And he starts to sing that psalm to God and to praise God. And, and then God hears his cries. God hears Jonah's heart. He sees that Jonah's beginning to turn his life around. He's actually saying, you know, there's something that happens in chaos in the belly of the whale and when we get into those difficult places we can choose to stay there and some people do decide to stay there and live their lives in those difficult challenging places but sometimes you know some people um we choose to to learn something new in the midst of chaos we choose to strengthen our characters we we choose to look at our trauma and the difficulties and, and why we got there in the first place and decide to change and transform ourselves and live in a different way. And the hope is that as we start to ascend and come out of that place of chaos, out of that belly of the whale, and start to come back into life again, and start to have a picture of hope and a future, that we're in a new place, that you have a better you, that your life is better, that you have a better perspective, a better focus, a better idea of the future, plans of what you want to do with your life that will make your life better, than it was in the place of despair. Isn't that amazing? And that's what God wants for us. He wants us to come out of those places of chaos and despair with a better character, a new mind, transformed and strengthened that we might go and serve him in a more powerful and amazing way. And even Jesus, he talks about Jonah in Matthew 12, 
14, he says, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. Jesus is talking about how he will have to go down to that place of Sheol, that, that place of, of suffering and despair, that place where human souls go when they're separated from God and can't be in God's presence, that place that is not nice. And um, and so Jesus, when he's in that place of suffering and despair, when he's upon the cross, you know, Jesus, he says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. And, and, and as and in the ancient days, um, in Jesus' time and time of Jonah, when people recited Psalms, much of the time they would sing Psalms. So most likely Jonah was singing in the belly of the whale. Isn't that amazing? That when Jonah was in that place of despair, he started to sing a psalm to God. He started to worship God and praise God. And as he started to worship God and praise God, he started to come out of that place of chaos and despair and hopelessness and, and, and ascend to life and purpose. And then we see Jesus, he says, like, Jonah, I'm going to have to descend into that place of despair. And when he's on that cross, Jesus starts to quote Psalm 22. And I'm sure that as when Jesus was on the cross, he sang Psalm 22. And it talks about how the father turns his face away. And um, the Psalm 22 that Jesus quotes, he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you, why are you so far from saving me? Um, so far from my cries of anguish, my God, I cry day by day, but you do not answer me. By night, I find no rest. But I don't think that Jesus stopped it. I, I think when he was on the cross, he was singing Psalm 22 to its fullness. And as it comes to the end of Psalm 22, as we get to verses 24, 25, Jesus would be singing, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but he has listened to his cry for help. From you comes the theme of my praise in the great assembly. Before those who fear, fear you, I will fulfill my vows. And Jesus said, the Father looks upon my suffering on the cross. The Father looks at why I'm there to, to, to defeat sin and death and to release the captives who are in those places of despair and grief and hopelessness, to descend into Sheol, to descend into that, that, that lower depths of, of, of the spiritual world and set the captives free that they may have life and life in the full. So I think Jesus was singing there and said, victory is coming, freedom is coming, hope is coming, believe and trust in God because that's who I am trusting and he will deliver me and he will turn his face upon me again and I will be set and I, I will live and do the purpose and bring victory for God. I think that is just incredible. So when we're in those places of despair, like Jesus, like Jonah, we need to sing those psalms of praise and worship and glorify God so that we might rise up from those places to say that we might ascend, that we might come into the place of purpose and direction that God wants for us life and stop living in our rejection, stop living in our hopelessness, stop living in those places that don't do any good for us and don't get us anywhere and, and start to live in that better place, that place of renewed mind of transformed lives, of purpose, intention and direction. And God's saying, Do you know, from now on, I'm setting my intention, my purpose to serve you and glorify you. From now on, my time, my energy, 
my life. It's not going to be about procrastinating and running away from you or avoiding you, God, or, or trying to say I'm too busy to do your purpose. And God, my job's too demanding. This is too demanding. My family's too demanding and all these things. That, that's reality. That's life. But we set our purpose and say, how do I serve the purpose of God in my life so I don't end up like Jonah? And even Jonah, he's still a grumpy person. You know, he wasn't the best character. And even when he came out, he came out the, the whale. He learned one thing about God in the belly of the whale. He learned that God was merciful, that God is forgiving. And he gave Jonah a second chance. And if he gave Jonah a second chance, he would probably give the people of Nineveh a second chance if they repented. And so Jonah was still selfish. He was happy to receive God's forgiveness and God's mercy, but he wasn't too keen on seeing the Assyrian people and the people of Nineveh receive it. And so when he went there and he started to preach God's, God's forgiveness, that they should repent from their sins, that God's judgment will come upon them if they don't repent. That even the animals repented, the children, the, the families, and even the king of Assyria repented of his sins and went in sackcloth and said, God, forgive us. And Jonah's going, oh, that, I don't need this. I don't want these people to have mercy. I don't need people to have forgiveness. And he said, God, I know you're merciful because I've experienced your mercy. I've experienced your forsaken chances. I've experienced your forgiveness. And... Um, he goes up a hill and waits for God to destroy Nineveh and he becomes upset when Nineveh isn't destroyed. And then God sends him a, a branch to give him shade because it's very hot and the sun's shining upon him. And then a little bug comes and eats the shade in the plant and it goes away. And Jonah's really angry because he's getting sunburned and he's uncomfortable and he doesn't like being sunburned and uncomfortable. And God says, like, you don't like being sunburned and uncomfortable and have the sunshine on you. Yeah, and, and you become angry about that. But should you not be angry? Should you not be upset that if I didn't show these people mercy in a city that 100,000 people would die and not know who I am? And so this mercy is not just for ourselves that we're receiving our salvation, but this is a message of good news to be taken to people to help them come out of their places of despair, their places of destruction, their places of hopelessness, that they may experience this new life, this new power to come out of those places that we go into, those dark places, those difficult places that we all go to, but tell them we can come out the other side a better person, a character and our life shaped by the power and the spirit of God. The experience that John Wesley had that we can have too if our hearts are strangely warmed, if we let God come in our hearts and have that personal, powerful experience with him and say, I'm going to change the world for God and I'm not going to accept anything less. And I'm not going to go back to that place and think I'm hopeless and pointless and have no meaning and can't succeed. With the spirit of God upon you, you will do what God's will and power is in your life. In Jesus' name, amen.